This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Drive to deep center field. Going back, Hernandez at the track right to the wall. Gone! Elvis Andrews! And 29 other MLB clubs. Guerrero lifts one to left field and gone. Oh, Tani, that was a moonshot out there in the right center. Alonzo defends his title, the 2021 Derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe from OPS Plus to juiced balls to game-changing moments. We have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Yes, it is A's Cast Live, live from the field. We have an excellent show planned for you. Mark Canna is taking BP right now. He is going to join us. The Hall of Famer, one of the greatest managers, if not the greatest manager of all time. Tony LaRusso will join us at 415. Lynn Casper, the voice of the White Sox at 430. And I see here, Commander, maybe, maybe Dallas Braden at 5 o'clock. Have we, have, got, have we gotten confirmation that the left-hander is going to be joining us? Uh, no, not yet. Dallas is checking. He has a meeting potentially. And uh, Len Casper is actually going to be 445 now. Okay. So we have some uh, change, a lot of changes here. The one constant will be Tony LaRusso will be over here. At 4.15, that's what I was told by the White Sox. I literally had no idea that today was the day the Hall of Fame was going to honor Derek Jeter, Larry Walker, Marvin Miller, Ted Simmons. It's always done on a Sunday at the end of July. Why did they pick a Wednesday? Do you know why they picked a Wednesday? I I don't. Um... I just know that they did it. They had Simmons and Larry Walker, and they, and I almost said A Rod and Jeter do their speeches, and then like an hour later, it just started pouring. Was there a lot of people State. there? Yeah, I mean, I mean, Michael Jordan was there, Patrick Ewing was there for for Derek Jeter. No, but how many like people? Because oh, normally I, I didn't see the announced attendance, but they thought the numbers for this originally, with you know Derek Jeter going in, that there was going to be uh, a record attendance. I've actually attended one back in '99, one of the most attended in the history of the Hall of Fame, where it was George Brett, Nolan Ryan, and Robin Yount, and Orlando Cepeda. But I just thought that when you told me, like, oh, the captain went in today, I was like, what? I wouldn't even have thought. Like, I, I obviously, I worked out, played a little golf today, but so I didn't even – I had no idea that they were doing this ceremony today. Do, do you want to hear – I pulled the, the best quote from Derek Jeter from his whole thing. Do you want to hear what he had to say? Well, because he didn't say anything for 20 years. He actually said something today? Yeah, here's what he had to say. Thank you to uh, the baseball writers, all but one of you, who voted for me. <laughs> and everyone, everyone, uh, everyone who, who covered me during my career. 
So remember, there was only one voter who didn't vote for Derek Jeter. Did we ever find out who? We never found out who it was. We still I mean, how do you not vote for Derek Jeter? Well, remember, what I was mean, a, seriously. What was our conspiracy theory? It was a, uh, we think it was a, uh, a, Miami. a Miami, Miami writer who didn't yeah. vote him in because of what he did to player, people like Andre Dawson and when he got rid of, when he came in and cleaned house. His, uh, his uh, interview he did with Harold Reynolds on MLB Network was really good. I watched it early, some of it earlier today. It was really good. And, of course, there's an oral history, and I know people don't want to hear this, especially Ace fans, but Tim, Tim Kirkson did a – if you want to print it out, I was just curious how long it was if you wanted to print it. 15 pages, an oral history of the flip. Oh, my God. 15 pages with quotes from Art Howe, Ron Washington. Did they talk about if there was actually replay that that could have been overturned? Uh, I didn't read the whole thing. Oh, okay. I just, By the way, you like to tell people – you're one of these guys that likes to tell people how smart you are, um, that you're always right, and that when you when you are right, you make sure you remind us all the time. Um, can you let me know again about that prediction about AJ Puck coming out of the bullpen? How that worked out? Uh, well, he's a uh, he's not a Triple A. Oh, right he's now. a Triple A. He's not here anymore. Yeah. Did you get my text last night on uh, from when you were doing post game about yes. AJ Puck? Here's his numbers: August 22nd through last night, September 7th. He was 0-3 with two blown saves. He pitched in six innings total, gave up 16 hits, allowed nine earned runs. Uh, what was his ERA? Uh, a cool 13 and a half. Terrible. And I've gone around today around this field and spoken to some people, and I'll be honest with you, um, there's not a lot of people who are happy, and I think that's right. And I said, "What a, the one question I had showing up today, because I didn't realize until I got here that A.J. Puck had been sent down. I hadn't checked my email. And what other sport in American sports would a guy pitch in a – I mean, it's a must-win game. All these games are must-win. What guy would pitch in a must-win game and then less than 24 hours you deem him not good enough to be here? What other sport would would do that? It would be like it would be like Steve Kerr and the Golden State Warriors have a must-win game, and he's looking down the end of the bench for like the tenth guy. Jordan Poole, for example. Come win, the, come win the game for me. That wouldn't happen. And then they send him back down to Santa Cruz. Yeah, and then he's back to the G League, D League, whatever the G, hell they got. G League down in, down in Santa Cruz. Yeah, I, do you think that would happen? That would never happen in another sport. But here in baseball, you got people who just have these ideas, and it's these front offices, it is what it is, that you you say this guy's got to play because we believe in this guy. And then all of a sudden he performs so bad, you then send him down. See, everybody wants to blame the pitching coach, the hitting coach, the manager. The people who are on this roster and how this roster is used – it's a collective agreement. And if there's certain guys the front office wants to see, those guys are getting in. And basically, they're going to tell you they were wrong, and they did it by sending him down. Because you can't keep throwing a guy who doesn't get people out. And I just, I, 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 I've, I've said it to multiple people today, hey, I, I view this going forward Every game is a game seven. I had a long conversation with Dallas Braden earlier today, and I know the baseball mentality is what it is, but 
you got to throw all that out. You're running out of time. Every single game has to be played like it's do or die game seven. And I've I've had people tell me, and they go, well, what about tomorrow? What do I care about tomorrow? If I don't win today, tomorrow means nothing. Everything is about here, now, today. Do you win today? Because if you don't win today, tomorrow doesn't matter. That's just reality. You're running out of time. You're running out of games. And now you're asking multiple teams, whether it be the Astros, whether it be the Mariners in division, Yankees, Red Sox, Blue Jays, you're, you're hoping they all just lose. Well, now, the Astros did lose today. Mariners won. That's the only, the only reason why the A's have hung around where they are right now, because they've really been brutal since – August thirteenth. No, I have the. I have it. They've lost what? Sixteen out of twenty-three. Uh, swear since they were nineteen games over five hundred on August on August fourteenth. Since then, they're six and fifteen. This is the wrong time of the year to go in the tank, but it all starts today. All you can, all you, all you can do is take care of yourself and win today. You know, no matter what anyone else does. It is about you. I mean, it'd be one thing if the A's were like on a six-game winning streak and you're like hunting people down, but they're not doing that. They're on a four-game losing streak. And you're in a situation where, you know, to not have your best players out there on the mound, and I keep saying it, we haven't seen Chafin in a week. He's been your best reliever, and you haven't seen him in a week. And you know what people say to me? Well, when are you going to use him? Are you going to use him when you're down three? I'd rather use him at some point than not use him at all. And then you know what they say to me? Well, you pitch him too much and he can't go tomorrow. <laughs> like, tomorrow? Yeah. What, are you, what are we talking about here tomorrow? Are you kidding me? What do we got? 20, what is it, 24 games left? Uh, yes, 24. There's 24 games left. Everybody on this field, unless you are injured, if you're injured, like like Chris Bassett is injured, he can't go, right? But everybody else, I'm sitting here, Ricky Henderson Field, everybody else should be available. This is suck it up. This is go time. Every single pitcher, every single player, I don't care if you're sore. I don't, doesn't matter. Everybody has to be. Everybody has to be available. Everybody, and I need the best players to play. You got if if you're gonna go down with the ship, go down with the very best you got. Whoever you deem, look at the roster and say, okay, who are my very best guys? I mean, if you go a whole nother game without Chafin, who is your best reliever right now, if you go if you lose today and he doesn't pitch again, it's like. What are we? What are we doing here? And Frankie Montas, I said it last week, and I'll say it again. Last week was the biggest start of his career. This this one is now the biggest start of his career. I went back and broke down some of his numbers as well. Since June 26, he's six and six. So throw, who cares what wins losses? Uh, he has a 2.43 ERA, 87 strikeouts, 24 walks. And he's only allowed five home runs. Because remember, the the home run ball was. The home run ball was really uh, hurting him for earlier in the season. 
He's given up three runs or less in each of those starts since June 26. So Frankie's been. I need. You know what? You need to do it again tonight. I need. I, I mean, it's got to be at least seven. Well, that and, means, and, and you know what? If it was me, I would be like, you know what? You're going. You're going the whole game. If I can get nine out of him, I, I need to get nine. And I know that just doesn't happen a lot in baseball, but I can get I can get seven or eight out of Frankie today. You know, but you know, White Sox are, are are no day at the beach. This is one of the best teams in baseball, and they got power, they got athleticism, they've got swagger. But if Frankie can be dominant today, I'm not taking him out with 86 pitches. I'm not taking him out with 96 pitches. I'm going. What did Emo tell us? It was 130 what? I'm trying to remember now. Is it 135, something like that? Yeah, I want to say that sounds about Let's right. Let's just say 130 to, to be safe. I'm, I, I'm, I, I, I'm my counter. I'm getting him to 130. And if you feel that's when you got to take him out, that's fine. Whether that's in the seventh, the eighth, or the ninth, I want 130 pitches out of him tonight. I mean, this is it, folks. And I, I know it's tough, and I know a lot of people aren't happy. But you know what? A lot of people, you know, the players aren't happy. The manager's not happy. The pitching coach is not happy. No one's happy, and you shouldn't be. Because the expect the expectations for this team are to go to the postseason for a four straight year. You didn't go out and get Starling Marte and Jay Hay and Jan Gomes and Chafin to be going home in October. That's not that's not why you made those deals. You made those deals to get you into into the postseason and it's it's got to start tonight and it's got to be people have to be desperate we have a uh, white sock executive coming over because we're gonna have tony la Russa coming up here and I can't wait to talk to tony because on this date in baseball history mark mcguire broke the home run record and we all remember what it did for baseball. And I can't I can't wait. We're actually going to play our interview that we did with Mark McGuire when he went into the Oakland A's Hall of Fame. And I asked Mark what it meant to him in his career to be the guy that helped save the game he loves. And he talked about how it's you know one of the great honors that he's ever had in his life that he and Sammy Sosa in that year of 1998 brought everyone back to baseball. You know, it was after the streak, Cal Ripken's great streak, that helped bring people back. But it really was the home run chase. Coverage of Major League Baseball like we have never seen it before. What's the update? Uh, Tony's coming over at 445 now. All right, we are we are all over the place. So what do we got? Uh we're just going to talk for a while. <laughs> Olivia's here, so we could bring her on to be the uh... – <laughs> what is it like to do Ace PR these days? Yeah. Um, all right, so just get... – Casper's at – what's supposed to be at 445? I'm trying to figure – I'm going to figure that all out right now. So all right. just, just talk. Just, just keep talking? Just talk. All right, just keep talking. But then it's like – depending like you're doing postgame. Okay. Well, postgame hasn't been a whole lot of fun. And, you know, the great thing about our postgame show is the fact – that we allow you, the fans, to have your voice heard. And I designed it like that years ago 
where I said people want to hear other fans. Do people feel the same way I feel? And we've seen that that makes for great success. Everybody just doesn't want to hear the same highlights and same interviews. They want to know that's a fan base, and they want to hear each other. And, you know, we're very lucky. The, the A's give us a lot of freedom. You know, there's some teams, they, they don't even allow phone calls whatsoever. And uh, we're just, we're just, we're, 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 we're very lucky that the A's allow us to do what we do after every single game. And Mark Canna joins us here on A's Cast Live. It's always great to have him on. How have you been? It's good to see you. Uh-oh. Uh, we had a little microphone malfunction. <laughs> uh, it's good. I'm good. How are you doing, Tony? Uh, do, doing well. And, you know, it's uh, it's a situation where I, I talked about it last night. It just it is what it is in a season to where it's like all these games coming up are going to be like game sevens. you got to win these games if you want to get to the postseason. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be a grind. we gotta we got to step it up a notch here and um, – you know, put it into fourth gear for, for this last stretch. You know, it's been a real interesting year for you. I mean, obviously, when you're hitting leadoff, you're, the mindset is just get on base. And you had one of the best moments this year when you broke the record for getting hit, and you tipped your cap and no one knew what was going on. But now you've moved back in the order, and we've seen the power stroke come back. Do you think it's because where you moved down in the lineup? Um, I don't know. I mean, uh, you know, I, th I think it's – attribute it more to um finally an adjustment clicking i mean i was uh, struggling there for a little bit and when you're struggling you, you're constantly making adjustments and it's it's kind of about honing in and, and finding what's the right adjustment and, and i think i just found that on this last road trip and it kind of helped that we um we found ourselves in some hitter friendly ballparks and and that's that's always um makes it a little easier as well is it something like a certain at bat where it clicks, or is it watching video? Like, 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 what is it? That all of a sudden, you go, "Aha, I got it." It was, uh, it was in that Yankees series here at home, and um, I kind of, it was the last two at bats I had of that series was, uh, was a line out to center field, and I kind of felt something like I hit a ball off the end of the bat to center, and I was like, "Oh, you kind of." I felt myself pull off the ball, and I was like, oh, that maybe that's an underlying thing that you've been doing for a while now, so maybe you should stay closed a little bit longer and try to stay on the ball and make a concerted effort to, to keep my front side closed, to just to just be on the ball a little bit longer. And then, you know, next at bat, I hit a double, and Tony hits that home run, and we have a great win there. Um, but it was those two at bats where I kind of like something, you know, light bulb went off, and I was like, okay. And then from there on out I was just kind of building on that while we were on the road and and working within those ideas and and trying to work with with staying closed and and it and it finally um, some things started clicking so when when you go to certain ballparks and Toronto obviously the ball flies is it yeah. just like does it, it help help your confidence knowing that oh yeah I, I love hitting here absolutely um, I mean it, it's not enough to just hit the ball well in the air here in Oakland anymore. Um, it, you have to, you got to crush it to get it out of here. And it's been a frustrating year in terms of how the ball's been flying in this stadium, especially it's a little bit better now that it's warmed up a little bit. 
Uh, but early in the year, it was kind of brutal, honestly. Like some, some balls that really should be home runs are, are hitting off the wall and such. And uh, yeah, when you go to a place like Detroit and you're just like, okay, if I just hit this ball pretty good into the air in right field, it's, it's gonna be a homer more than likely. So um, yeah, it's, it's everything for a hitter. When you get into a ballpark with a, that's hitter friendly, you know the ball's flying a little bit, that, that helps a lot. Yeah, I know when you're doing well is when you drive the ball to the opposite field. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, that's something I've always said is like an indicator. It's something that that's always been a strength of mine. But when I lose that, and and you'll see a lot of like rollovers to the the left side of the infield. That's when you a sign that ah, you're, you're something's a little off. You need to start trying to figure out. And the, the trick is is it's not as easy as just like trying to hit the ball over there. It, it kind of just comes when you start doing the right things then you notice oh okay now i have some juice to the opposite way i must be doing something right yeah you try and i mean i try and put it into different terms of different sports it's like if i'm if i'm hitting a golf ball Mm -hmm. and i'm thinking about my swing the entire time i'm dead yeah right it's got to be just a natural feeling i mean talk about that like you can't overthink yeah yeah as soon as you start uh feeling for it is how we put it um things tend to slow down and, and get a little less explosive you gotta you gotta get in there and rip with uh you know everything i say everything has to happen uh dynamically so it has to happen athletically with movement you can't just put your foot down and be stiff or at least i can't um i've never had the ability to like really try to like slow down you gotta you gotta swing hard and so it's it's finding your swing with it with that aggressive mindset is the is the trick you know i know you don't get to see the broadcast right the tv broadcast but what they've done this year is they're showing us the win now you know as an outfielder but it's like the win in this bowl Mm -hmm. and sometimes it's blowing out a little bit to left but really blowing in hard from right but the wind changes here so much as you mentioned harder to hit it out but what's it even as an outfielder it's got to be tough yeah, it just swirls. It's really, um, it's unpredictable. I think Mount Davis, the wind kind of comes in here and, and just goes in a circle, I think, around the around the stadium. So um, no matter which way it's blowing, typically it's never just howling out because it's that, that exit for the wind is, is being blocked by Mount Davis. So, so the wind is just swirling around uh, which means you, you just really got to hit it. You got to hit it um, through. You're not getting any uh, any cheapies unless you unless you hit it down the line somewhere. That's that's your best bet to get a, a home run that's that's not a, a bolt. Is it ever consistent or like daytime's mm-hmm. different, nighttime? The later it gets in the game, is is the wind just always different? Yeah, I think so. I, it's hard to tell. I, it's consistent in that what I just said, like it, it kind of swirls and you, it's, it's consistently inconsistent. It's <laughs> uh, <laughs> a good way to put it. Yeah. It, balls just do some weird things here. I mean, it, sometimes you see a lot of really hard, well-hit balls in the gaps just kind of get knocked down. Um, I think it, it, the balls that are hit higher with higher go further. Um, it's really hard, I think, to hit low homers here. So, like, the low line drives that will go out in some places tend to get knocked down here, and that's that's one thing that's consistent. And, and as an outfielder, it can make um, 
fielding or like reading those line drives a little bit tougher too because they're they're getting knocked down or they're they're taking a turn halfway to you they'll in the air they'll just like catch a seam and and go to the left or go to the right and and that can make it a little crazy too let's end on this you know you've been here uh, a long time now and i know what it means to you to be back at home you know your parents are so close i live mm -hmm. in the neighborhood you grew up in and i've mm -hmm. i've had uh, at san jose swim and racket there's a bunch of these old guys who've known you since you were a little kid and they always ask me about you just how great has it been for you being in Oakland A, being at home where you went to Bellarmine, Cal? Mm -hmm. Just what has it meant for you in your career? It's It's been amazing. Um, I love it here. My wife and I say the same thing. It's just this, the Bay Area feels like home. And um, we've actually really enjoyed this year uh, being in Oakland. We're, we've, we're living in Oakland as a family for the first time. And uh, around Lake Merritt, and it's just it's beautiful over there. Um, kids are at Fairyland all the time. We're we're we just we love it here. Um, the fact that my family's here is really cool. We get to see them. My my parents get to see their grandkids. It's it's uh, it's special. And and playing for the A's, you know, the fans are are so great to me. It's they treat me like a you know like a hero, like a true hometown hero, and that, that makes me feel really good. Well, I, I can't think enough. You've always been great to us here on A's Cast Live. I, I, yeah. I hope you sign a long-term deal and you stay here for many years because you've yeah. you got a lot of great baseball ahead of you. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Tony. I, I, yeah, if I get to stay here, that would be a blessing, really. Yeah, no doubt about it. Well, thanks for the time. we got more coming up next right here on A's Cast Live. This is Chris Townsend for my favorite golf course in the Bay Area, Cinnabar Hills Golf Club. Tucked in the beautiful hills of San Jose, Cinnabar Hills offers the finest 27 holes of championship golf in Silicon Valley. Come see the amazing new renovated clubhouse and restaurant, plus patio dining with the most breathtaking views. Cinnabar Hills is far more than a golf course, one of the premier places in the Bay Area to host weddings and any type of events. There's no golf experience like Cinnabar Hills Golf Club. Go to CinnabarHills.com. That's CinnabarHills.com. A's Cast Live continues from Ricky Henderson Field. Here's Chris Townsend. Well, it, it, it's an honor to have you on the program. What, what do you think of our set right here? Not too bad, right? Well, first of all, to be on a big league field is always great. The weather here is just tremendous. Uh, we got lucky in that we, uh, we came to the Bay Area in September. And uh, this is my favorite time of year for a lot of reasons. Yeah, no doubt. And, uh, you know, when you think about the Bay Area where you can get a little chilly early in the season, but as we get later, even into October and football season, the, the weather is really good. But it's great to see you because, you know, so many times everybody's got to be by phone. I mean, it's like, what, we got Eric Nadell to come down. And there has, we haven't had a lot of broadcasters traveling, so it's, it's good to see you, and I, and I bet it's great for you guys to get back on the road. Yeah, it's been great, Chris. We've been on the road. Uh, Darren Jackson, my broadcast partner, and I have been on the road with the White Sox since about May 12th or so. Uh, we went to, to Minneapolis and New York on our first trip. Uh, Dan Dickerson uh, with the Tigers started to travel around that time, but we were kind of the first radio tandem to get on the road with a team. Fortunately, uh, the White Sox were one of the first teams to hit the 85% threshold in terms of vaccinated players. The team has been very supportive of us being on the road. 
The access is so much better uh, when you do travel with a team. But it's two parts. Being in the ballpark is really important, uh, especially calling radio because it's a three-dimensional sport, and sometimes when you're watching a monitor, you're trying to do 3D in 1D. And, it, and it's very difficult to do. I would like to tell you I'm good at it, but I don't think I am. Uh, it's hard enough to call a big league game when you're actually on site, and it just makes it doubly difficult when you're not. And it's a team that's been in first place since May 7th uh, every day. So I think there's a lot of excitement in Chicago for this group, and uh, we're having a blast. You know, there's not a lot of guys that have called – games for both teams in the same town what has that been like it's been great and actually chicago's uh, unique in that regard uh jack brickhouse uh harry carey steve stone uh and i've kind of joined that group have all called games for both uh the cubs and the white Sox. um it wouldn't happen this way everywhere and in fact i got notes from both michael k and gary cohen uh, Michael, the TV voice of the Yankees, Gary, the TV voice of the Mets. And they both gave me unsolicited the same message, and that was it would never happen in New York. What is what is going on with your city? Because if we swap jobs, I would be assassinated three days later. There's no way the Mets fans would ever want a Yankees announcer and vice versa. Uh, I don't know. It's, it's a Midwest thing. Um, the ballparks are nine miles apart. There is a rivalry between the White Sox and the Cubs. There's no question about it. But um, it's been interesting, to say the least. And, you know, I've gotten a little feedback from Cubs fans. Trader, you know, you're dead yeah. to us. That's fine. Yeah. I, I take it as a compliment that when you go somewhere else, especially to the other team in town, that, you know, emotionally it hurts a little bit. And I guess that's better than – Good riddance, right? Yeah, our, bu our, our buddy Matt Vaskersian, I, I don't know if you saw on the scoreboard, but lifelong A's fan here, and we play this the the, yeah. the 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 big three race. And when Matt was recently here for Sunday Night Baseball, it's like, yeah, some A's fans are like, wait a minute, you went to do the Angels? Right. You can't do that. Right. But we defend going, hey, a paycheck's a paycheck. It's great to have a job. Yeah, it, right. And, you know, fans, you, there are certain things in life that you just can't think outside the box and and if you're born into fandom of a team the idea of somebody working for the other team uh doesn't make any sense but as you say it's a business and you know when people say well how can you root for the the white Sox so quickly when you join a group and when you're traveling with a team you become invested in that product and in the people and you know i'm sure we'll talk about tony la Russa. i've had uh, a real a fortunate opportunity to do the manager's show every day with Tony. I've gotten to know him very well, and to be able to pick the mind of a literal Hall of Fame manager is something that uh, I've cherished. I'll tell you a quick story. There are the three oldest managers in Major League history, uh, Connie Mack, Jack McKeon, Tony La Russa. I didn't get a chance to work with Connie since uh, he last managed, I think, in 1950, but I was with the Marlins in 03 when Jack McKeon came back for the first time, uh, and I'm now with Tony. So I've had two of the three oldest managers in Major League history, and I, I find it really interesting. Trader Jack. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I grew up in San Diego. So right. I remember when he was running the pod race. He I, managed the A's back in the 70s too, right? It's an it's an absolute amazing career, and you could make a case Tony La is the greatest manager of all time. You could definitely sure. – he, he's in the conversation – 
and just tell me from a standpoint of, I think he's 76. He's going to join us here in just a little bit, but this is kind of making him young again. Have, have you gotten that vibe? Oh, he's, he's totally re-energized. Um, he wakes up early. He goes to bed late. He thinks, breathes, talks baseball when he's awake all the time. This is what he does. This is what makes him tick. And for anyone who thinks this is a one-and-done, I think he's going to be here for the next several years. Now, if the White Sox go all the way and win the World Series, you could make a case, well, you did what you were supposed to do, and maybe he, he rides off into the sunset again. But even even if the White Sox go all the way, Chris, I think he's coming back next year and the year after that. Um, you know, he he will be the first to tell you that it was an adjustment coming back after nine years out of the game. You know, he was upstairs. He, he talks about upstairs versus downstairs. Downstairs is where he lives and breathes. He's done it for 34 years, and I think he wants to do it for a long time, maybe until uh, he's in his 80s. How good are the White Sox? I think the White Sox are really good. They haven't yet had a fully intact roster, and you could probably make the case very few contenders actually do. They always have one or two guys they're missing. But the White Sox, from the middle of spring training when Aloy Jimenez got hurt, and then early in the season, Luis Robert got hurt. Adam Engel started the year on the injured list. At one point, their top five outfielders were all on the IL at the same time. But they continued to win and continued to score runs. And then the rotation was intact early, and that kind of carried the club. Well, now here late in the year, the position players are generally back, although Tim Anderson, their all-star shortstop, is out. But now Lance Lynn and Lucas Giolito and Carlos Rodon uh, are out. I don't think there's any big concern about the first two guys because they have leg issues, whereas Rodon is dealing with shoulder fatigue, and they've been pretty careful with him all year. So I think that's the one that they're most concerned about. Having said that, I think everybody who's currently out probably could go if this were an October game and a playoff situation. So, you know, I think everybody's excited to see this group together for the first time and it might not be until the first uh, playoff game when everybody is actually healthy yeah and this american league has been crazy it's you know looking up every day i mean houston lost again today a's are on a losing streak uh yankees can't beat the orioles red Sox have been it's like there's so much inconsistency in the american i mean other than the white Sox, we know you guys are going to go to the right. postseason right. everybody else it's kind of like Who's and, and Tampa, but other than you guys in Tampa, everybody, I mean, you don't know night to night. There's so much inconsistency. You're, you're right, and I would also say that while White Sox fans are watching the scoreboard to see what Cleveland's doing because as the magic number dwindles, you know, you clinch a division and then you look forward, in, in, in a lot of ways what Houston is doing right now is as significant for this reason. I would say there's probably a 75-plus percent chance that the White Sox and Astros will match up in the first round, and if the White Sox win tonight, they'll have the exact same record. Well, having game five at home is really important. The White Sox got swept in a four-game series in Houston in June. They beat the Astros two out of three in July at home. White Sox have been way better at home. They're a 500 club on the road. So at the end of the day, it might not matter, but you'd rather have home field advantage in that scenario than not. So I could see if it comes down to the last couple of days. I don't think Tony would get crazy and make you know have somebody make a start who needs rest for the postseason, but they definitely would like to finish as the number two seed in the American League. And let's end on this. The way this ball club is built, 
get me the lead, and I got power arms, including our buddy who was on the show yesterday. No one's been on the show more than Liam Hendricks. <laughs> Liam Hendricks literally every day would come by and put the headset on. He's the best. He's the best. We love him to death. But that's the one thing I what, what would scare me. I mean, we're just hoping to have a shot at the playoffs. But what would scare me about taking on the White Sox is that bullpen at the end of the game. Yeah, and last night you saw the template. Starter goes five, and then you hand the ball to Crochet, to Para, Kimbrell, uh, Hendricks. You didn't see Michael Kopech, who throws 100 miles an hour. He's had his issues at times, but he's a very important piece in that bullpen, as is the sinker baller lefty Aaron Bummer. So there were two other kind of A-type relievers the, the A's didn't even see last night. So you're right. The bullpen has a chance and you know how important bullpens are when you get into October. They have a chance to be maybe the best in the league. Yeah, I, we, we know because uh, that bullpen over here to my left, <laughs> it's not doing so hot right now. So uh, for the A's, it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see if they can get into the uh, into the tournament. Hey, thank you so much for the time. Been watching you for years. So much respect, and uh, your first year is going real well. Congratulations. My pleasure. Great to be here, and uh, we'll do it again next time we come out here. Hopefully it's the playoffs. That would be great. <laughs> I'm all for it. Thanks, Chris. Take care. Coming up, we're going to have the Hall of Famer, Tony LaRusse. Actually, I see Tony. He's walking over right now. Got the fungo going. We will not break. And that was awesome, of course, Lynn, for years with the Cubs, now with the White Sox. Always, always a good time. But to have the Hall of Famer, yeah, I can't wait to talk to him about Mark McGuire. He had a nice little career with the, with, uh, with the A's and the Cardinals. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that when when you think about that moment in time and the way that he did it, I mean obviously we played the highlight yesterday during the game where he ties Roger Maris and then the very next day he ends up breaking it and you know that's a that, that's a big deal. The Hall of Famer. It's great to see you again. How are you? The great Tony LaRusso, one of the great managers in the history of our game but obviously one of the great managers in Oakland A's history and what he's meant to the Bay Area with ARF and everything he's done for people, so generous for so many years. And uh, I've always gotten him in the offseason. I think this is the first time I've ever talked to Tony during the season, and it's a very special time. It has been a while. How are you? Well, we're uh, how many hours for a game? If we play the bottom of the ninth today, I'll be doing really well. Well, I'll tell you what, I like your chances with this bullpen, by the way. It's pretty spectacular. Well, we got to have the lead for that to happen. But, you know, our bullpen, uh, our front office start up putting together a heck of a team, and they've added to it. You know, we were just talking about it, and I'm going to play it later on in the broadcast. today. This date in baseball history is the day Mark McGuire broke 61, number 62. Wow. And when Mark went into our Hall of Fame, I had him on the program, and I asked him, what does it mean to you that you really kind of saved baseball, you and Sammy Sosa? He said it's the number one highlight, not only of his career, but a big <clears> thing about his life. What was that like back in the day? Because it was incredible. It's, uh, it was a real theater, except it was real. And uh, I've heard veterans, we had veterans on our club, uh, and they said, and they've had championship experiences, and they said the most exciting season they ever had was just being there and watching Mark and Sammy go after it. It was just electric every day. And then you kept seeing Mark, when he broke it, you know, Sammy stayed after it. So he had to hit, what, five in the last weekend to win the thing. 
It was the first time we saw the velvet ropes around for batting practice, keeping people away. They became like rock stars. I'll make a point to you that shows just uh, how real Mark is, especially on the road, you know, where we were taking batting practice second. There'd be 15,000, 20,000 people that watched BP. And he would always take BP because he knew the people were there. And he, he explained later on, it's like playing doubleheader because he'd want to, you know, he, you know, a lot of times the guys, you know, they just skip batting practice. They can save for the game. Mark would do his best, and he'd put on a show, and then he'd come out and play the game. So he, he's got a really good heart. You've been in this game a long time. You've managed some of the greatest players, some of the greatest teams, multiple organizations. What's this season been like for you as a skipper? Oh, somebody, like somebody give you a gift. I mean, this team was here when I got here. They had uh, the front office put together a heck of a squad. I mean, we got pitching. You got position players, you got some veterans, and you got some young guys. Real good mix. So you have to credit player development, scouting, that helped make those decisions. And then they had played together, and, you know, they got better and better. And last year they qualified. You know, they played the A's in the playoffs. So I walked in a situation where they're very hungry, and they got some experience, and uh, they inspire me. You know, we had your back here because there were some people like, I don't know if Tony's going to be able to relate and, you know, the egos in baseball. And I was like, wait a minute, Tony's managed some of the biggest e- – Ricky Henderson, <clears throat> Jose Canseco, Dennis Eckersley. Like, you've managed some of the biggest egos in the history of the game. Yeah, I think there was, you know, there was a lot of uh, legitimate questions, criticisms, and I didn't fault any of them. The, the, probably the one that was inaccurate was that I'd been away from the game. And the fact is I had worked – for yeah. three different teams upstairs and for MLB. So I had stayed current. But uh, the one thing about players is that if you establish a culture of respect and trust, you know, that, that carries the day. And that's what uh, we had all the years, and that's what they, they feature here. So all I had to show is that, uh, you know, can contribute here and there. Well, obviously, this is your home. You know, this is where you raised your family. This is our f- which we have had you on before many times to promote the events. Just what does it mean for you to come back to and here, the Coliseum? Because this building's meant a lot to you. Well, it's, you know, guys are asking me here because they, they know the history. And, you know, the 10 years here <clears throat> had some of the great moments. It's also two of the haunting regrets, which was the 88 and 90 World Series. But, uh, you know, I saw and I, and, I, and I still know there's a core of really strong support for the Oakland A's. Fans really like this club. Uh, they liked our club. Uh, the only thing that, it, it, in fact, I actually took a picture because I saw it in one of the rooms of the Coliseum before they put that monstrosity in center field. And the guys can see how beautiful this ballpark was then. And now it's, you know, it's an eyesore out there. I wish we could tear it down. Yeah, there's a lot of us who feel that way, no question about it. And I know you only have so much time, but Bob Melvin has so much respect for you. I know you feel the same. Uh, what he has done here in Oakland. Just talk about the job Bob's done. Well, I've said it many times because I believe it. Uh, there's nobody in baseball that does a better job than Bob for years. He takes different kind of clubs. Uh, the thing we talked about before. Nowadays, there's so many distractions that your number one responsibility as a manager and a staff is to earn their respect and trust. So they want to follow you. You know, They want to listen to you and trying to get to make them better. And Bob has proven over and over again that he gets through. And, you know, there's a lot of transition on this club from year to year. But he makes it work every year. And, uh, you know, one th- I know one thing tonight and tomorrow afternoon, and the game will not be decided because Bob makes a mistake. Yeah, and he's a, he's, he's, he's a wonderful person. Before we let you go, how is <clears throat> ARF doing? And do you have any big plans coming up here? 
Well, you couldn't have asked a more timely question because, uh, you know, our dual mission, the second mission is that the animals rescue people. Uh, Ten years ago, we started taking veterans with PTSD and matching them up with a dog that was just rescued. It's been an incredible success. Uh, we pay all the costs. It's called Pets and Vets. And uh, what we noticed was that when they do the matching and the training, they need their privacy. So today, this morning at 10 o'clock, we built the, the country's first purely private uh, facility for the dogs and the veterans to get together, train, match, and create lives for each other. And uh, it happened this morning. And now as soon as the COVID thing relaxes, you know, you'll see uh, that program really flourish. Yeah, what, when you when you think back from starting it to where we are today and your family's involvement, just I, I, you, you Hall of Famer, one World Series, you've done all of that. But do you think this is the greatest thing that you've done in your career, Arf? Well, I was taught, uh, actually started right with the White Sox, Ryan Storff, and I come in with the great Haas family. Mm -hmm. And I go to the DeWitts over there in St. Louis. you got to give back. You know, Don't go into a community and take, take, take. Give something back. Pick your cause. And for our family, it's been uh, kids and education and animals. We started ARF, just just thought we could save a few dogs and cats, and the, the, the support's been incredible. It's become, seeing it's 30 years old now. Wow. Uh, and um, it's, it's something that, put it this way, uh, I've been on some great teams professionally, but that ARF team on, on, a, on a personal basis has been championship quality. Well, it's an open invitation. If you ever need us to promote anything, donations, whatever it is, please come on the program and we'll help you anyway. You've been so good to me in my career. And, of course, in this fan base, you are loved. Man. Everybody still loves Tony LaRusso. Thank you so much for the time and good luck with your club because you got a really exciting team. I just hope we win the night. Thank you. The Hall of Famer, Tony LaRusso, right here on A's Cast Live. <laughs> Streaming from the East Bay, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. Ah, uh, the Hall of Famer, Tony La Russa. Great to have him on the program. What a baseball mind and truly, no question, one of the greatest managers. You know what he just told me off the air? He was talking about Liam Hendricks and something that I've been talking about. We'll talk to Dallas Braden about this. Is there was one game where Tony goes, we got to win this game. And it was a non-save situation. But he went to Liam and Liam had to get like five outs. And he said, I just need, we need to win this game today. I mean, that's an understatement. I mean, that's Tony LaRusso talking about the White Sox. Where the heck are the A's right now? The A's are in must-win territory. Every game. But it all starts today. you got to win today. Tomorrow doesn't matter if you don't win today. And I know you don't want to call me a philosopher, but today I'm busting it out. You sound like a stoic right now. <laughs> I feel like I should wake up and read you every morning. I could, I, I could, I could uh, make a T-shirt out of this, for God's sakes. No, but it's a, it's an honor to have him on because you think about just a Bay Area legend. As he mentioned, Arf's 30 years old. So as old as I am. I mean, you think about that. They started this thing just to, as he said, to rescue a few dogs and cats, and now what they've built it. And all the celebrities and all the great athletes that support ARF and now putting dogs with with veterans, I mean, it's a big deal what Tony does. And as he said, give back to your community. It's easy to take from your community, but it's hard to give back. And what he has done for the Bay Area where he's raised his kids and 
He's lived here for pretty much his adult life. And you think about he, he is an A's legend. There, there is no question about it. As, you know, he talks about the two World Series losses, but the World Series win, I mean, you're talking about one of the great teams of all time when you're talking about Ricky Henderson and you're talking about Jose Canseco and Mark McGuire and Dave Parker, Dennis Eckersley, Dave Stewart, Bob Welch. My, I mean, the list goes on and on. It's truly one of the great teams in the history of the game. Oh yeah, I mean this that whole the the three teams like the when they won the three straight World Series, it's incredible. And then you look, you go forward, and you look at the teams that he had in St. Louis. I mean with McGuire, and then going forward, I mean holes. I mean he managed young Yadier Molina, who's still playing today. <laughs> Think about that, Yadier and Adam Wainwright are still playing today, and Tony managed them when they first started. Are they still I mean, doing the standing ovation for Pujols? He got one yesterday, and he, then he had a home run. God, uh, I mean he's royalty I mean, there. <laughs> I, I, I don't get it. Uh, well, I mean, he. I mean, they're a great. They're, they're, it's a great baseball town. There's no question about it. But it's a little overblown. I mean, he hasn't. He hasn't. He hasn't been a cardinal in how many years? I mean, we talk about the greatest. Uh, what talk- was his last year? 2011. Yeah, they won the World Series and they left. Right. Yeah. The uh, guy left you. The guy went somewhere else. Well, I mean, look. The way, the way I look at it, the guy is uh, – he's in their what? I would say he's probably in their top five players of all time. Where were you looking at the greatest Mariners of all time last night? I think, yeah, I was think, a, that was a short list. Yeah, I, th- I, think, I think Albert Pujols is in the top five greatest St. Louis Cardinals of all time. No, no, no offense to my guy Harold Reynolds, but when Harold's pretty, <laughs> pretty high up there, you know it's a really short list. Well, it's going to be Stan Musial, Albert Pujols. Bob Gibson. Bob Gibson. Rogers Hornsby. Rogers Hornsby. Um, Come on, I know no, nobody knows more about Rogers Hornsby than I do. Rogers Hornsby, who else would be on that uh, list? Ted Simmons is a Hall of Famer. Um, Lou Brock. Lou Brock's pretty good. Well, I mean, they got so Yod- many. I mean, Ozzie Smith, they got so many guys that have been I mean, in the Hall of Fame. It's been incredible. Yachty Molina, Adam Wainwright. I mean, these guys are going to be. I don't. They're not, I mean, Yachty's going to be a Hall of Famer. I don't. Wainwright won't be, but. Yeah, it's a, it, they've had, you know, they're one of the historic, just like the A's, but they're one of the historic franchises in the history of the game. Yeah, I mean, when we were looking at the greatest Mariners of all time, we were looking, we were like, all right, okay, we already know who's in the top five. So we already know who number one is and number two, number two was. I thought uh, Ichiro was a little too low on the list, but that's okay. That's just me. It got a little slim pickings. But, hey, I I like what Tony just said off the air where he's he's – He's very, very happy with our guy Liam Hendricks because he knows how he knows how tough Liam is. And as he said, he goes, "I put Liam into three really tough situations." But this, 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 the way the game has to be managed today is like what Tony just said. I put Liam into a non-save situation because we had to win that game. I don't know when that game was. Maybe we can ask Liam, but. That's a Hall of Fame manager saying, I need to win today. I need you to do something you might not like, but I need to win today. And what the A's did yesterday, where they sent out A.J. Puck in a game that they need to win, even if you're behind, they sent him out there, and he could only get one out. And then less than 24 hours, you send him back down. So you played a guy in a must-win game, who less than 24 hours you don't think can compete at this level. Shame on you. 
That should not happen. Every out right now, I don't care. You know why you still use your good relievers even when you're not leading a game? Is to keep the game where it is so it gives you a chance to come back. Do I need to go over his numbers again? or Who? AJ. No. All right. No. They, they, hey, as they say back in our ra- old radio days, different audiences. All right, go ahead, give them if you. I mean, uh, I I got them right in front of me. All right, you're good. go August, ahead. August 22nd through yesterday, 0-3, two blown saves, six innings total pitch in that those dates, 16 hits allowed, nine earned runs, a 13.50 ERA. It's awful. But, I mean, the ERA the ERA in Vegas wasn't good either. It's it was awful. over six in Vegas. And I understand you want to hype up your prospects. I mean. Let's face it, Cody, you were jamming A.J. Puck down our throat, too, about what a great reliever he could be. I said could be. I didn't say was. Failed. It failed. Uh, still, he's still young. Oh, well, I'm young, not saying his career's over. Yeah, I'm just talking ish. about what we're seeing now. He's young-ish. He's 26. I don't know. He's young-ish. You've got the most important 24 games of the season coming up, and you sent him down. That tells you everything you need to know. And... I don't want to hear about how critical all these other games are. What's important is today's game and winning today. And the great Dallas Braden is with us here as he'll be calling the game on NBC Sports California. Winning is important every day, Townie. Every day. It's important each and every day. None more important than today, maybe none more so important than tomorrow and so on and so forth when you're at this stage of the season and you are in the position this ball club is in right now. What do you need to see from Frankie Montas tonight? Well, you'd love to see nine, right? Let's start there. Let's get really greedy, and then let's work back from there. What you want to see from Frankie is an outing in which he can get deep into, obviously give the bullpen a break. That's something that we've been echoing for a while now. But when you're talking about a starting rotation that leads the world in innings pitched but hasn't been able really to get through or to the fifth inning with any kind of consistency as of late, that's automatically where your mind has to go, I think, Townie, is to a, a deep outing and be able to hand the ball to guys that are going to lock the game down and give everybody that positive vibration again because this team knows what they're capable of doing, and throughout the season at times you can lose sight of that. You can lose a little confidence, and a combination of the two can have you start to search. So I think being able to instill – a level of confidence in one starter would allow that to permeate through the rotation, and being able to close out a ball game cleanly and effectively would do the same for the bullpen. I don't remember what year this was, but it came out on Twitter, and as everybody's trying to make the case that Jacob deGrom is one of the greatest pitchers of all time, it had you have more career complete games than Jacob deGrom. Sorry about it. Hey, I'm just saying, I watched you, I covered your whole career. You could go nine. Does it sicken you when you're seeing guys go five and dive? Well, look, I, I think one thing you have to do is you have to understand where the game is at today, how the game has evolved. And even even when I was pitching, you know, the, the whole six innings or more, three earned or less, and there's your quality start, the mindset, the mentality should be each and every time you take the ball – I am going to dominate for nine innings, right? Perfect game. From there, no hitter. From there, a shutout. From there, a CG victory, and so on and so forth. That's just kind of how your mentality should be every time you take the ball. So today we understand that with the horsepower that's available to a lot of bullpens, you you don't necessarily force that starter 
through nine innings of labor. You now feel like you are afforded the opportunity to shorten the baseball game because of the arms you do have down in the bullpen. So if you can get five or six from your go-to guy, from your stud, from your guy in the rotation, and then basically turn three innings of the latter part of the game into a dominant affair with swing and miss that's down in a lot of big league bullpens, I, I think you'll like your odds. And I, I think that's the way the game has evolved. And I wonder how, and I actually talked to Chris Bassett about this one time. Like, I can sit here and give you lip service and tell you as a pitcher, let's say I'm your pitching coach, that you should have that mentality. But every single time you go out on the mound, I'm pulling you with 80-something pitches. So I can tell you, oh, you should go the whole game and you're today's bullpen and all that stuff. They used to tell us back in the day. But once I get like 86, 92 pitches, everybody's shaking my hand and I'm out of the ball game. Yeah, that's again, that's a tough part about how the game has, has trended. And that mentality still has to be present, even though the end result might not be that nine-inning affair that you and I are talking about, that you and I and fans, general managers, managers, and even the guys on the mound are after. You want that CG. The mentality has to be there. And as I said, as the game unfolds, you kind of work backwards from there. So to be told that you're going to go nine, to be told that you have that leash is understandable. And to be pulled out of that fire when it starts to get a little too hot is also understandable. Whether you like it or not, that's baseball today. Well, think about your perfect game. Let's say you gave up one hit, right? You still got a one-hit shutout working. You would have been out of there so fast, <laughs> you right? If it's modern-day baseball, where we are right now, you would have, you're like, wait, I'm only going to have one hit. I haven't walked anybody. Ah, no, you're at 105 pitches, buddy. You're out of here. Yeah, you, you think they want to send that lefty with that <laughs> stuff? He's slopping up there out to face that team at that time, a third time through the order? Zero shot. But that's why we talk about trying to buy yourself extra outs as a pitcher, trying to buy yourself extra innings. How do you do that? You get the swing and miss and the big punch out when you need to. You allow the defense to work for you if you can to try to minimize that pitch count and and give yourself an opportunity to finish a ball game. And that's where you start to learn how to use the other team's aggression against you, against them. And do you start to pitch backwards early, use the fastball? There's a lot of different things that go into learning how to finish a ball game. I think the biggest thing is understanding what you're doing well in that moment, when to change the script, when to take that next step in your game plan, or frankly, when to say, you know what? I'm not changing anything because they're not giving me any reason to. When I think about that special day, like if if the A's are taking on the Giants now, do you ever go over to like Gabe Kaplan and wink at him? Cap and I have... <laughs> We have some fun, and he is. I and I, I got to say this and make sure people understand this because I joke about getting Gabe Kapler out all the time because that's why I have the opportunity to talk to you on a day like today, Townie, because I had one good day of work, and I will never forget that. But the folks who were involved in that one day that are as gracious and as humble as Gabe Kapler are, well, I make sure that I fire as many arrows as that at that guy as I possibly can because he is. So nice and so humble and and is a steward of our game. And for him and I to be connected in that way, I, I promise you, means a lot more to me than it does him. And it means the world to me that I can have those interactions and we can have those conversations. 
knowing the place he holds in the game of baseball. Now, we know all stocks are different, right, for all companies. If you had to buy stock in one team in the American League right now, and I'll take Tampa out, who are you buying stock in? Well, I'm, I'm not saying this just because they're in-house right now. I'm on the record very early on on my podcast talking about the formula that the Chicago White Sox ha- have have put to use. And the clubhouse atmosphere, the clubhouse chemistry is really unlike any other when you talk to these guys and you understand what they're allowed to do, how they're allowed to behave, how they're allowed to interact. I mean – you know how important that is. Like, think about the A's, for instance. You get a weirdo like Sergio Romo shows up into your clubhouse. You trying to tell that guy how to walk and what tune that he can dance to? Probably not. I need to let him do whatever it is he needs to do to get ready because that is what makes him tick, and we know that. And they understand that about this group. And it starts with core guys. Like, you think about Jose Abreu and the impact that he has on some of these young guys around him. Aloy Jimenez, Lou Bob, um, Mendick. I mean, there's just there's so many different places that he has impacts. And then on the, on the pitching side as well, they, they've created that friendly competition within this rotation. You go and nail down a guy like Lance Lynn. Like, for me, as far as formula goes, they've got power arms on the mound. They've got an incredible core offensively. Yeah, I think the stock is up. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, they, they and they got some swag. They got two of the best relievers in baseball. They got swagger. I mean, you're watching that Field of Dreams game. Everybody's shirts undone. They got chains. They're mm-hmm. running around. Medallions. They're they having got, fun. They, they got swag. They're having fun. They're good, and they know it. Yeah, that's they're 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 a very interesting team. And uh, you know, talking to Tony about it, I mean, you get them a lead, and you got all those power arms back there. No team is going to want to deal with that uh, in the postseason for the A's. If they don't make the playoffs, how disappointing will this season be? It'll be disappointing. There's no doubt. And I think the context does need to be applied because for the better part of this season, they were never healthy together as an entire group, right? Chad Pinder goes down very early. Steven Piscotty, balky wrist all season long, eventually led to surgery. Sean Murphy was was banged up and beat up early on in the season. And that's not going to be any excuse that he's going to give you, but that's what you and I are here for is to make sure fans understand just how how rocky this road has been at times for this group. That being said, with the talent here, I won't let them off the hook and say, uh, but I understand because I don't. And that's because I understand how bad they want to perform. And I understand the level of expectation they have within themselves. And looking at that bullpen right now, I mean, let's say Frankie doesn't give you seven or eight like I want. Let's say Frankie gives you five. How, how, what are you going to do those next four innings? Well, it's got to be a complete team approach. At this point in time, there's no room for labels or roles. You want to know what each one of these guys down in the bullpen represents, in my mind, at this stage? We have outgetters down there. That's what we have. So whether you want to call it a closer, a setup guy, a mop, I don't care what you call it. What I believe we have down there is outgetters. And that means that when that phone rings and your number comes up, you've got to go out and get your outs. And whether that starts with somebody who's only seen game action in the eighth inning and now he's in the game in the sixth inning, however you can get W's, 
uh, I'm not telling you anything you don't know and nothing that Bob Melvin isn't aware of. He wants W's just as bad as everybody else, so it's going to be a collective effort. The Hall of Famer, Tony La Russa, just told me off the air. He was talking about Liam. I'm like, oh, Liam, Liam's been on this show more than anybody, right? He's almost be on every day. And he's you know, how tough Liam is. He goes, hey, there was one where it was not a closed situation. I needed him to get six outs. And I told him, I know this is not a safe situation, but we got to win today. Mm-hmm. And I went, right on. Yeah, sometimes – you know, even if you're down. Well, what would Liam do here in the postseason against these guys? Two and a third or two and two-thirds? Yeah. Six punch outs? I mean, come on. I'm, even if the A's are down 2 nothing in the sixth inning, I, I got to hold the score there to give myself a chance to win the game. We're running out of time. You got to play your best players. Well, you, you got to play your best players, but at this time you have to understand it's going to take all 28 of you. All 28. Got to have all of you. So it doesn't matter where that production is coming from at this point in time. If it's the outgetters in the bullpen, great. If it's banging the ball all around the yard and working over that other team's pitching staff, great. But it's going to take all of them. Yeah, the crazy thing is Houston loses again today. What was the final in that one? Eight to five. Yeah, eight to five. So the Yankees keep losing. The Red Sox keep losing. It's like everybody's keeping the A's in this thing. Well, if we're being honest here, Townie, and, and look, I, I understand we want to win the division. Those are always the aspirations here. I don't know that the numbers necessarily play out in the favor of the Oakland A's down that road. So the idea that Houston is losing, okay. I I think at this point I'd like to see Seattle lose, get them out of the way, and understand that we just have to keep winning the ball games that we feel like we should win. That has to happen. At the end of that, I think you're in a – a little bit better spot. Yeah, because all you got to do is look at the schedule, and if you want to play the schedule game, you know, you got Seattle and Houston. Seattle's going to be here for four, then Houston for three, back on the road to end the season, three against Seattle, three against Houston. So the schedule says it's doable. Sure. But you got to win today. Got to have it. Got to have it. And I can't be doing these post-game shows where everybody's getting fired every single day. We got, <laughs> got, we got to start winning some games. Let's end on this because I know you got to go. Um, you know, we all love Ray and can't wait for Ray to be back. But what's it been like for you now doing TV on an everyday basis? I've had a lot of fun. And it, it, it only becomes as much fun as it is. And the transition is only as seamless as it is because I have been able to learn from a guy like Ray Fossey for the time that I have been here and if I don't have that opportunity to come and take BP with a legend every single day then I'm probably not a having as much fun as I'm having and it's probably not even close to as bearable as I guess it might be for the folks at home so I'm very appreciative of the opportunity that I have but it does not get lost on me for one minute that I wouldn't be here without the help from a guy like Ray Fossey. Did we figure out the prediction thing you guys have been rolling with? Oh, yeah, pitch prediction. Like, please, check in. I'm trying to tell you, pitches change, approaches change from pitch to pitch. Decision-making in real time with some of the numbers attached to it. So when the folks at home are watching these games, and I understand you don't want to get beat over the head with numbers, I get it. You want to have a cold one and, and watch the ball game. Understood. Sometimes you have questions about why pitches get made at a certain time. Well, what are the odds of that happening? Well, 
Guess what? If you ask. We've got an algorithm for you. I'd rather be on the mound and be up 1-2 versus being down 3-1. And those are just facts. Right? Straight facts. 3-0-3-1, you know, i got to throw a strike. And he knows i got to throw a strike. Yeah, 1-2, i got some wiggle room. Oh, yeah. I can have one in the dirt. I can have one up. I can go up and in. i got a lot. And And it's so true. And it's the same thing that we've now figured out in all sports, right? We figured out in basketball, certain guys shoot better from certain spots on the floor. I mean, analytics, they tell the story of what humans do. And I like what you guys are doing because it's interesting. So uh, I'm sure you're going to explain it tonight on television. Yes, yes, please. Tune in. It's not going to be every pitch of every at-bat, but there's going to be some matchups that you're going to want to pay attention to, and we're going to try to give you a little insight. Great stuff as always. We'll see you. What do you want to do here, Cody? We still have like two minutes. We can talk talk about the playoff odds. Do you want to put everyone in a bad mood before we go to Brandon? What? 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 (laughs) Why are we going to do that? Go ahead. Thanks, Dallas. The great Dallas Braden. Uh, so after the uh, Mariners' big win against the Astros. Okay, wait. Do we, do we remember the playoff percentages at one point was A's like 70-something percent making the playoffs? 70. Yeah, it was high. Uh, so the White Sox, if you want to start with them, they're at 100%. Uh, 12% chance to win the World Series. Uh, the, a, the A's right now, 6.3% chance to make the postseason. 5.1 to win the wild card. Wait, we're down to six? Yeah. There's still a 1.2% chance, according to Fangraphs, that the A's will win the American League West. It was at 70-something percent we'd be in the postseason. It's now down to six. Well, when you're 6-15 and 15 since August, what was the date I had it for you? When you're 6-15 and 15 since August 14th, that's, uh, that's not good. You know what? There were 19 games over on August 14th. I need to see Andrew Chafin in the game today. I don't care if it's 20 nothing. I need to see him in the game today. He hasn't pitched in, what, a week? Yeah, it's been about a week. Uh, yeah. yeah, it actually has been. He didn't pitch in Toronto. Did he? No, he didn't. We had day off before Toronto, right? Yes, so it's been a week. Today's, today's Wednesday. I mean, if you're going to go down, go down with your best. Because right now you're – you just you you just you just informed me you didn't go down with your best. You went down with a guy that you sent back to AAA. That's what you went down with. Why why at the end of the year in a must win game you're you're throwing out a guy who is now in AAA? That tells you everything you need to know. Yeah. Of why AJ Puck AJ Puck should have never been in the game. You can't pitch guys who can't get outs. You just can't. That's a horrible formula. Uh, Mark McGuire is coming up next. Yes. And you know what we need to do for the third? We should have a little bit of Tony La Russa on Mark McGuire on this day. Okay. Well, I, was gonna ha- well, I, have, the, I have the home run, too, where he broke the record. I want to have Tony. We have the Hall of Famer on. Yeah, well, we're using him for pregame, too. Yeah, yeah. Over, Tom. you know, let's just use him everywhere. Okay, when you get Today, a, tomorrow. When you get a legend like Tony La Russa, are you kidding me? And I've interviewed him a handful of times in my career, but I've never gotten him in season. Remember, you would always come into 95-7 and do our stuff with us, and we would talk. But to get him during the season and to know what he means to this fan base, what, it, what he means to the game of baseball, he's greatness. Yeah, so the McGuire interview of 2019 when he was going into the Ace Hall of Fame, just so people have context on why we're playing this. That's 
coming up next, correct? Yeah, correct. And I'll be back at 540. Yep. For A's Total Access brought to you by Francis Ford Coppola Winery. You've been listening to A's Cast Live. We want to thank the great Tony LaRussa, Lynn Casper, Dallas Braden, and Mark Canna all joining us. And we'll be back on Friday at 4 o'clock with another edition of A's Cast Live. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. 